Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining me today on a special episode of Work in the Future, sponsored by Microsoft. Now, this episode is part of a series. We're looking at the issues we face in the workplace as we move into this next phase of the pandemic and eventually into post-pandemic life, because we really can't go back to where we were a year and a half or two years ago. We have new issues and we have to face them, figure out how to be resilient and move through the challenges we have. Now, when we talk about those challenges, when we talk about workplace issues right now, we have to include the need to deal with the challenges to workers' mental health. You know, I would say at one point, mental health was something organizations maybe talked about, but even if they provided some help with it, it was maybe not as much of a key issue as it should have been. And that's changed, and it's changing more with the pandemic. Because with the pandemic still ongoing and ongoing when we had hoped we would have seen the end of it by now, this is a very difficult time for many and it's taking a toll on mental well-being. And more than that, though, I think as a society, we're just more aware of mental health as an issue and that includes organizations. And ultimately, you know, you have to get this right, because if you have people in need of support and help, you can't get everything you need from them in terms of support for the organization. So it kind of works both ways. And there's a realization of that more and more. Hopefully there is. Lots to talk about on this topic. I'm really happy with the guests we have on this episode. Her name is Paula Allen. And Paula is Global Leader and Senior Vice President Research and Total Wellbeing at LifeWorks. Now, they're a human resources and technology firm, and they've done some really interesting research on this subject, kind of comprehensive research, looking at the stress that leaders face, frontline leaders and senior leaders, and as well, what organizations are doing to be effective in helping people through this, because there are some that are are doing very well with this and some that perhaps are a little bit uh, more behind the curve. So a lot to talk about there. Please stay with us. organizations help senior leaders with their stress and mental health as we move into this next phase of the pandemic? Well, to talk about that, I'm joined today by Paula Allen. She's Senior Vice President, Research and Total Wellbeing at LifeWorks. Hi, Paula. Hi, good to see you. Well, like, great to have you here today. Now, I have a lot of questions about the research you've done and the conclusions, but I always like to start by asking people about their own careers. How did you end up doing what you're doing? How to, well, it was a long journey. Uh, I started out working with children, mental health, worked with adults, uh, people with disabilities, including brain injury, and really had the, the great fortune of uh, looking at workplace health and productivity from a number of points of view. So from as an advisor, as uh, a leader in product development, uh, in manager training and support. And for sure, I got to the point where I realized there's a lot that we need to know and really focused on research to help us know that. So you're with LifeWorks and there's a lot of things we could talk talk about at this point in the pandemic in terms of, you know, HR issues and organizational issues. But the organization decided to tackle the issue of mental health and put out this survey. How did that come about? 
Well, well, mental health is the core of well-being in every respect. I mean, I learned that as part of my career experience. The organization knows that quite clearly. Uh, you know, it's it's really the center of your the quality of life, your relationships, your productivity at work, even your participation in the economy. So we have a focus on total well-being, but a particular focus on mental health. And with this leader survey, we also understand how important leaders are to a workplace. And there really hadn't been much focus on senior leaders. So the people who are actually steering the ship. So we felt it was important to understand their experience, their perspectives, what's changed for them uh, in, in the pandemic. And that's why we focused on that particular data set. Well, you actually managed to quantify this. You have an index of well-being, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we do actually. We started it was it, we actually started developing it three years before the pandemic even hit. So you know we knew how important uh, it would be for organizations going forward to have a clear clean, understandable measure of the the mental health of working individuals. And and that really wasn't available. You know, we had public measures that included, you know, people who aren't working. We had data that was available late. We had fragmented data from service providers. So we really felt that there was a gap to fill. Uh, So we launched this mental health index in April of 2020 and have been able to really very clearly track uh, the mental health status of working individuals in Canada, US, UK and Australia. And as importantly, uh, get some data that helps us understand why we're seeing what we're seeing. We'll talk about the overall reading on it. I'm interested to know how it changed since April 2020 to the year later. Well, the, the way the index works is we, we took uh, the data that we've been collecting between 2017 and 19 and set that as our baseline. So that uh, that was set to zero. And it, it really is, is made up of a number of different components, you know, experiences of anxiety, depression, optimism, uh, isolation, a number of things that we know are really important in terms of understanding the mental health status of a population. So zero is the baseline. And when we started to publish in April of of 2020, uh, we saw a massive decline. So not surprisingly, uh, we believe that that's uh, directly related to the impact of all the change and uncertainty of the pandemic, but a significant decline. And we've seen a little bit of an inching up, especially over the last few months with increased optimism, but we are still significantly below where we were before the the pandemic. This has actually put a a massive strain on on the mental health of the population. I mean, I know zero is your baseline, but you obviously watch this pretty carefully. When you look at the situation before the pandemic, how would you characterize mental health then? Um, I would say that we were maybe at six and a half to seven out of ten. Like we, there was a lot of a lot to be done. Uh, so we we know a fair bit. Like we know how the human mind works. We know we, there's still a lot more to know, and that's why research is so critical. But 
there are many things that were happening in workplaces that really didn't take advantage of that knowledge. So we know, for example, that stigma is a major factor. It's not just a factor in terms of people feeling uncomfortable speaking with one another. It actually prevents people from getting care. It actually prevents people from taking care of themselves because they don't want to self-identify with something that's that's stigmatized. We know that uh, the role of leaders is absolutely critical in terms of creating an environment that has psychological safety, which is foundational to proper well-being. And that we know that that psychological safety, essentially feeling that you can be yourself and won't be reprimanded for being honest about things that you see, not, not only even in your personal life, but in your, in, in your work, we know that that's a factor not only in people's well-being and sense of belonging, but it's also a factor in how how effective the work team is. Uh, there's several other things that we know around managing disability. There's several other things that we, we know, but we haven't really fully executed on it. So I think there was still a lot of room for improvement. And right now, as a result of the decline in mental health, it's become absolutely urgent. It's no longer just important, it's urgent. Well, it's great that you're getting some information around this so we can understand it. Tell me about the study with Deloitte. It was pretty comprehensive. It was. And as I said, you know, through our mental health index, we have a very clear understanding of where the population is, the general population. And we also did a bit of a deep dive in frontline managers. And what we found there was quite interesting. We found that frontline managers, uh, for the first time since you know, we have data on this, their mental health was actually more compromised since the pandemic uh, than people who didn't have management responsibility. And this is upending, you know, our typical pattern because typically managers are a little bit older, they have good problem solving skills uh, because, you know, you wouldn't become a manager if, if that wasn't the case. Um, they have a whole lot of protective factors. Uh, but that situation pre-pandemic was upended by the level of accountability and stress and, you know, dealing with everything everybody is dealing with, plus having to, to work with a team and support a team and answer questions when there weren't any answers. So that we found very interesting. But that group didn't include executive leaders, senior leaders. Mm -hmm. So we felt it was a missing part of the data set and we collaborated with Deloitte uh, in order to, to fill that data. And, and that really was the purpose of, of this, this study. And we did, we did definitely find some interesting results. Well, how does it differ between frontline leaders and really senior leaders? Well, what was very clear uh, was uh, two things. The, the, the level of strain for the senior leaders uh, was much more than the level of strain for the frontline uh, front managers. And, and when you think of how even I described the reason why frontline managers have more strain than non-managers, non-people leaders, you can understand what that, uh, that, that that actually gets exacerbated the more significant your scope of responsibility. So that was one thing. Um, the other thing is that, you know, if we, if we look at some of the things that create problems with people dealing with the strain that they're dealing with. It is a sense of isolation. It is stigma, which is also very isolating. And we found it very interesting that the, the senior leader group had much 
entire sense of a career-related stigma if anyone were to know or feel that they were struggling. Like that was, that was quite astounding. We have it in our society. It was more with frontline uh, managers and non-managers and much more with senior leaders. So that was definitely a factor. It's really interesting because I would have thought a lot of this would have been there before the pandemic too. However, I guess no one's had to step up quite like this, right? This is career changing. It's career changing. And there's a, there's a, a well-established model of, uh, of, of stress, in particular work, workplace stress, um, that looks at three factors. Uh, the level of demand that you have, what's expected of you, the level of control that you have, you know, your, your ability to rally resources and, and make things happen, and the level of support that you have. And if you think about that model, What's happened as a result of this pandemic is the demand of these senior leaders became uh, exploded overnight. So it's high demand work to begin with. You know, it's high stress work to begin with. And then literally overnight, you're having having to wonder about how am I going to keep my people safe? How am I going to keep my business going? Is my business model going to survive uh, supply chain? How am I going to deal with the supply chain? Um, I'm, I, do I open my stores across the country uh, on Monday and I'm sitting on pins and needles to see what's going to happen in terms of the, 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 the requirements and, and restrictions on Thursday evening? Like the, the level of demand exploded. And, and, and really, we still have pretty high demand. We still have businesses really wondering about what's going to happen in the transition back to the work site if that happens, what's going to happen long term in terms of their business model, all of these things. So that's one thing that's increased. But the other thing that happened is the level of control declined. Mm-hmm. Right. Because usually you understand what levers you can pull. You understand how you can make things happen, understand how to execute your decisions, because, you know, these are things that you're used to doing. You're used to a particular structure. But, you know, because this is this was a public health issue, then what people could do and the decisions that could be made were well out of their control. So that declined. But the third factor is also important is that the level of support didn't increase because that's what's needed to balance this triangle. Most people were not thinking about the senior leaders and their well-being. Uh, even the senior leaders weren't thinking about their well-being. They were thinking about the well-being of, of their, their people, their employees. Paul, I want to talk more about this. I know you found some companies dealt with this much better than others. I'm just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Microsoft 365 is designed to help you achieve more with innovative office apps, intelligent cloud services, and world-class security. Get work done with productivity solutions and stay connected with your employees and clients, whether you're working remotely or on-site. Microsoft 365 allows you to safeguard your business data with a cloud platform that offers built-in security features for remote and hybrid work. Visit aka.ms forward slash m365 for biz, that is F-O-R-B-I-Z, to learn more about Microsoft 365 for business. 
We are back with Paula Allen. She's Senior Vice President, Research and Total Wellbeing at LifeWorks. We're talking about mental stress and how that played out or how it's still playing out in the pandemic in terms of senior leaders particularly. And, you know, Paula, the study you did with Deloitte, you divided companies up, right, into the ones that were leaders and took really good steps to be ahead of this and the ones that really weren't. We follow, you know, what organizations do and the the impact on their people. And uh, we've looked at this in a number of different ways. Uh, so from the beginning of the pandemic, not just the, the Deloitte study, but we looked at it in a number of different ways, our mental health index. And what we found is that when organizations actually put uh, mental health and well-being at the center of their business continuity plan, uh, their people did better. You know, it was it was really sort of recognizing that business sustainability right now is is less about you know your 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 processes and and technology. And like we have all that is pretty important, but that doesn't differentiate you. You know, everybody has access to the same things. The thing that differentiates you is whether your people are there. For you, whether your people are focused, whether they're productive, whether they can uh, deal with the ups and downs of changes. And what's required for that is clear support for them. So organizations where we saw uh, CEOs you know, speaking honestly about and, and empathetically about the strain people were under, uh, speaking about and destigmatizing mental health because there, it was part of a business conversation where a business leader might stand hand in hand uh, with a, a mental health leader and really help people understand what they were going through, where there was implementation of manager training to give them the skills to deal with the issues that they might be seeing in the workforce. Um, and we had some wonderful leaders actually extend support such as the AAP, even beyond the boundaries of their employees to contract workers, part-time workers who typically wouldn't have benefits because there was a realization that there was a need and the organization needed them as well. So a lot of very, very positive action. And when we saw organizations managing that support and managing that communication well, we actually didn't see the significant decline in mental health of their of their populations that we did in the working population overall. And we saw that it buffered it. You know, it's really interesting that you mentioned that there was concern about uh, gig workers, basically temporary workers or the ones that are not permanent workers. That's a real shift. That is a very a real shift, but it's a realistic shift. I mean, uh, pre-pandemic, I mean, I'm almost thinking like it's AD and, and BC right now, but pre-pandemic, that point in time, a lot of the thought around workplace mental health um, led to things like, well, you know, invest in prevention so we don't have disability costs, you know, and only our benefited employees have coverage for disability. Um, not our, not the people who are part time, not the people who are contract. Uh, but that 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 was only part of the puzzle, and it was always only part of the puzzle. And people are realizing that there is a bigger part of the puzzle, which is supporting your people's well being, helps their quality of life, and that also helps your business productivity. You know, if people are feeling uh, compromised, if they're not feeling psychologically safe, if they're not feeling supported, they're not going to be creative. They're not going to be innovative. The customer service is not going to be great. So realizing how important it is for people and business 
whatever role that you have. And if you have somebody who's a gig worker who is working as part of your business environment, then their well-being is equally as important to somebody who is who has benefits. That's a really powerful statement. I hope that that kind of thinking continues after the pandemic. Um, okay, so say you are in an organization and you want to make sure people are mentally healthy, your leaders are mentally healthy. What are the concrete steps you should be thinking about? Oh, it's, a, it's a great question. I think um, there's, there's several, um, and I'll, I'll start with, with, with two. I think it really has to be understood at the most senior level that this is a priority because, you know, what you understand, what you believe shapes everything that you, you do. Um, as I, I mentioned a, a little while ago, organizations who recognize that the mental health was going to be a big part of their business continuity intuitively started to reach out for support. Our organization was called several times in terms of like, how do we deal with the situation? How do we say the best things? How do we, how do we make sure that we're doing the right things? So intuitively they were driven to get the right information that was appropriate for them and they took the right steps. I think right now organizations need to realize that it is not just part of business continuity, but a business sustainability. You know, we're seeing you know, resignations, we're seeing some people coming back into the office with angst and, and edge. You know, it really is important for us to actually go forward successfully as a society to keep this front and center. So just that mindset is important. Very concretely, you have to talk about issues that are important. You have to make sure that people don't hide in the shadows, that they don't feel stigmatized, that you're reminding them constantly about resources that are available to them so they can take the right action themselves. The other thing that's really critically important, and I can't emphasize this enough, is to support your leaders, support your managers. You know, we've had the majority of managers, uh, eight in 10, say that they had to deal with a mental health issue of an employee since this pandemic. And the vast majority didn't have any clue what to do. They didn't know how to deal with it. And that's an unfortunate situation because it's an unfortunate thing for the individual because they don't get the right kind of support and guidance, but it also puts strain on the manager as well. So training your managers on how to support a mentally healthy environment, how to make sure that people feel a sense of belonging, how to, how to make sure that people feel, uh, you know, that they're, you know, recognized and, and that their well-being is important, but also how to deal with things when they are not you know, in, in the best possible situation is really critically important. And, and the third thing is just make sure that you have that continuum of support for your people. So look at your EAP, make sure that it's strong and promote it. Look at what, you, what else you might have in terms of services. Uh, many organizations have been adding services, you know, cognitive behavioral services, et cetera. Those things make a difference. And we've seen this in a measurable way. Well, that sounds like you have to be really intentional about it, because what I've seen over the last year is, you know, just going through one crisis after another. Let's deal with this. It sounds like setting up a program, communicating constantly. Are companies doing that? Are you seeing it increasing? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I like the word intentional because I think that that, that is that, that is the starting point that I mentioned. If you really understand that 
um, that one of the pillars, and really understand that one of the pillars of the success of your business is the well-being of your people, then there's no way that you can think about any decision without thinking about that. So I like I really sort of wouldn't want it to feel like it's an extra thing. It's just a way of doing business that 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 drives success. And and actually I'm I'm so confident in saying that um, because I have actually to information as a researcher. And I know that there have been studies, uh, a number of studies actually, that looked at organizations, even pre-pandemic, who had that focus on the well-being of their workers and in particular the mental health of their workers and infused it as part of their business culture. And those organizations outperformed their peers on the stock market. So it's, 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 there's so many good reasons uh, to, to make sure that this is just part of your organizational thinking. And the good news is that organizations and business leaders don't have to be experts on every detail of what to do. You know, you have partners, you know, we as LifeWorks, other, other organizations are there for you to help make it easier for you to support your people. That's the reason why we exist. Paula, thank you so much for talking to me today. A pleasure. Paula Allen is Senior Vice President, Research and Total Wellbeing at LifeWorks. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Paula and about the study, please take a look at our show notes. You will find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did enjoy this discussion about the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. That really helps people to find this podcast and it will help us continue these discussions around the future of work. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future, and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.